0: Empty Words, The Legal Issues Posed by Senators' Proposed Microtransaction Ban. Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, Managing Partner of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we're going to talk about government. Uh, If you're familiar with this channel, we occasionally brush on topics related to politics and government, especially as they relate to the United States. We've done videos in Virtual Legality on loot boxes and the IGDA's response to potential loot box bans internationally, uh, as well as the FTC's call for a loot box workshop later this fall. And earlier this week, a U.S. senator by the name of Josh Hawley introduced a bill that cuts to the quick on loot boxes and some other forms of microtransactions with some specificity in particular in respect of protecting children. Uh, But we can see from what he has announced Uh, that there are some holes, there are some things to think about with even what he has initially proposed. So we're going to take a look at the articles that discuss the initial introduction. We're going to talk a little bit about Josh Hawley and his background. We're going to talk a little bit about what his press release says. One thing to note as we dive into this video, the actual bill text Uh, has not yet been introduced, as best I can tell. The articles that were published earlier this week talk about him introducing a bill. It was a press release uh, given by his office to suggest that he will be introducing a bill, but as we will see in this video, uh, there isn't a bill yet introduced, at least not formally, or at least not documented on the Senate and Congress website that we can see for what has been introduced. So we can't actually respond to the actual text of the bill. What we can respond to is what he says the bill will do, uh, which will be the purpose of this video and the purpose of this podcast. Uh, so without further ado, let's take a look at the Kotaku article and the Jason Schreier article that actually broke this, uh, which is called U.S. Senator introduces bill to ban loot boxes and pay to win microtransactions. Now, as we just said, he introduces it and so far as he's talked about it. He hasn't actually introduced it to the floor of the Senate yet, as best anyone can tell. The article says Senator Josh Hawley, a Republican from Missouri, today announced a bill that would ban loot boxes and pay-to-win microtransactions in games played by minors, a broad label that the senator says will include both games designed for kids under 18 and games whose developers knowingly allow minor players to engage in microtransactions. Hawley will introduce the bill, the Protecting Children from Abusive Games Act, to the U.S. Senate soon. In press materials announcing the bill, Hawley's team brought up the Activision game Candy Crush as an egregious example of pay-to-win microtransactions. We'll get back to that in just a second. When a game is designed for kids, game developers shouldn't be allowed to monetize addiction, Hawley said in a press release. And then Jason Schreier goes on to talk about uh, some of the stuff that we talked about at the top of this video, which is last fall the Federal Trade Commission promised to investigate loot boxes following a letter from Senator Maggie Hassan that she wrote in the wake of the 2017 string of games featuring the heavy heavy usage of predatory microtransactions such as Middle Earth Shadow of War and Star Wars Battlefront 2. So that's the context of how this bill was introduced. Uh, Let's take a look at Mr. Holliday just for a second to see what it is that he has done so far. He has actually uh, only been in uh, Congress in the Senate since uh, the elections at the end of 2018. And we can see here from the congress.gov uh, bill Tracker, that he actually hasn't sponsored uh, much of anything yet. We see here three bills that he has sponsored. He is the co-sponsor for a number of other bills, uh, but in long lists of co-sponsorship uh, of bills that either uh, don't have a lot of uh, negative implications or that were co-sponsored by a large group of people. Uh, so it doesn't really speak to necessarily what he's trying to achieve in Congress. Uh, and so we see here we he's got three bills. He's got a resolution denouncing uh, the Sri Lankan attacks. He's got a bill that he sponsored that would uh, help facilitate additional mental health treatments for uh, police officers. For the most part, I scanned that bill really quickly. Uh, And then he's got a bill to enhance duck boat safety. If you recall, I believe it was last year, there was a significant duck boat accident in his home state of Missouri where a number of folks lost their lives. And that's all that he has done. All of these were introduced, interestingly enough, in April, uh, so this last month. And now this new bill that he is proposing to ban uh, loot boxes and microtransactions in certain games uh, has now been introduced and is now being discussed along the entire game industry Uh, including here in virtual legality. So let's take a look at how he actually describes this bill that he is putting forward. The Protecting Children from Abusive Games Act. Senator Hawley's legislation would apply new consumer protections to games played by minors, including... Now, that's interesting. As you've heard, if you follow this channel or, or or series at all, you know, whenever you use the word including after you've said something in kind of broad strokes, it isn't designed to be exclusive. So we're responding to a press release here. We're responding to a one page summary of what he says is in the bill on the understanding that it is all that will be in the bill. Uh, But if there are significant differences when the bill text is actually revealed, maybe we will do a follow up here on virtual legality, uh, because I do get concerned when I see the word including uh, rather than what it is. Uh, So he says that the games that will be played by minors includes those defined as follows games targeted at those under the age of 18. And then he says this would be determined by subject matter, visual content and other indicators similar to those used. ...to determine applicability of the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, the COPA. We're going to talk about that in just a second. And games with wider audiences whose developers knowingly allow minor players to engage in microtransactions. So let's just start there. He's going to apply whatever it is that he's going to apply... ...and we're going to see that it's a ban on certain practices to these games. And he puts them in two buckets... Games targeted at those under the age of 18, which he says will be defined in the same way that we define COPA, uh, COPA websites, and the COPA Act is designed to prevent the collection of personal information from kids under the age of 13 uh, by websites. And so there are a number of definitions that are in that act that talk about How the Federal Trade Commission is going to determine whether a website is focused on collecting information from children, focused on delivering services to children. Uh, And we're going to see how that applies somewhat to what we're talking about here, but also could prevent significant problems if this act, the Protecting Children from Abusive Games Act, were to pass. And then he also expands it to games with wider audiences whose developers knowingly allow minor players to engage in microtransactions. Now, here's an interesting one. Because if you've listened to this series and you've heard me talk about loot boxes in the past, you know, for the most part, I have a problem with banning the practice because among the various things that you could ban to protect children, loot boxes and microtransactions should be fairly low on the list because for the most part, they require a credit card. They require an account uh, that is already verified to be in the age of majority, generally speaking, the age of 18 in most states in the United States. And so since you already have that backstop, since Almost all of these require an account of some kind, a contract of some kind, a credit card. uh, Then you don't necessarily need to worry about whether or not this is being abused by children uh, because the credit card system is already handling it. Now, I do think that there's a loophole there, and I'm fully willing to admit it, where you could potentially go mow some lawns, buy a prepaid card with cash for the PlayStation Network put that PlayStation Network card into your PlayStation uh, and get some money for your wallet and then spend that wallet money on loot boxes and Overwatch. And I think that to the extent you want to say, okay, that is potentially a problem, I'm amenable to notions that if you're going to have microtransactions in your game, they should not be allowed to be purchased uh, with prepaid cards. We should make sure that credit cards are used in all of those instances. If that were all this act we're doing, I think that would be... A more reasonable discussion and it's one that i would certainly be amenable to having uh, because i do think it's important to have those kinds of restrictions on what purchase power uh, you can have that being said when we talk about games that are targeted at those under the age of 18 and you bring in copa i think it's worthwhile to look at what copa does and how it does it now again copa is responsible for the entire internet it is applicable to all operators of website services. So when we talk about whether something is targeting children, and so COPA applies to it, it is narrowing down from a bigger field. I will tell you this right now before we even get into a discussion of these laws and regulations. From the position of the United States Senate, from the position of the United States House of Representatives, from most of the governments uh, in our country, the very nature of a video game means to, the, to Congress that it is designated and it is targeting sales and use by children regardless of what the content of the video game is the entire industry is seen for the most part from a broader societal perspective as targeting children and that's going to be one of the problems in trying to bring in another definition or another rubric to apply to video games is when you have this kind of broad discretion it's very difficult to say that something like Apex Legends or even Last of Us is not targeted for children uh, to the Federal Trade Commission or to the United States Senate because they see something that you use a controller and you knife zombies in the head. And that's something that would appeal to children. And so video games by their very definition, regardless of their subject matter, have this kind of forward facing problem that they are all targeting children. That's what resulted in the Mortal Kombat hearings uh, in the 90s. That's was what resulted in the hearings regarding Night Trap and whether or not you were fomenting children murderers, regardless of what the rating system would wind up saying about those games or regardless of who was actually playing them. And we're going to get into that as well. The COPA Act, the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, defines a child as under the age of 13. We mentioned that earlier in the video, but it's worthwhile to note because what Josh Howley's act says is that he wants to prohibit uh, loot boxes and some other things in games that target children under the age of 18. So one thing we already have is a disconnect because the Federal Trade Commission is in the business right now of figuring out whether a website targets people that are under, under the age of 13 and not so much whether... Uh, the website targets people between the ages of 18 and 13. So what that distinction is, how that looks, is going to be up for debate. And we will see that they basically kick that down the road to a kind of I'll know it when I see it provision, which is fine if you're the government and you want to have maximal authority to potentially prohibit or otherwise make the industry's life difficult in respect of certain games or certain bad acting companies. It's not so great if you're coming into the industry and you want to make something and you're not entirely sure how it will be treated because it is so vague. So let's take a look at that definition. First of all, when they're talking about operators uh, and websites in general, they only say the term website or online service directed to children means a commercial website or online service that is targeted to children or the portion of a commercial website or online service that is targeted to children. Government statutes, folks. Uh, If you haven't read rules before, if you haven't read laws before, uh, this is how they work when Congress wants to kick the decision to someone else. They say, The definition of a website directed to children is a website targeting children. Very, very helpful, very useful in order to comply with the law if you're advising companies like I do for my clients. Uh, And so we see that's the statute. That's the actual statutory authority that governs the Federal Trade Commission on this kind of stuff. But we also see a little bit further on in the act that this is a little bit older act. It says not later than one year after October 21st, 1998, which is... Presumably, I believe that's going to be the adoption date of the original act. The commission shall promulgate under Section 553 of Title V regulations that do things under the act, including provide definitions. Uh, And so that's how these statutes work. If you're not familiar with the process or if you've only seen the cartoon how a bill becomes a law, this is a law. This is a statute that's on the books. And one of the things these laws generally do is they say, okay, commission Uh, executive branch body, uh, now that you've got this law, please, what they call promulgate, please make rules that give power, that give teeth, that explain what the heck this law does. And so the Federal Trade Commission duly says, okay, so we've got this law and we've got these things like definitions that say website directed to children is a website targeted to children. We have to figure out what that means. We have to figure out how to implement it. And so what they wind up doing is they wind up passing rules. And so I've got here now the Federal Trade Commission's rules talking about, in particular, and this goes this goes through all of the rules related to COPA, but those don't really concern us when we're discussing this law. We've got their rules talking about what is a website or online service directed to children. And so they repeat the definition from the statute because that's just good writing if you're making a rule for a uh, executive agency charged with promulgating them. It says means a commercial website or online service or portion thereof that is targeted to children. So we see that that matches up exactly with what the statute is, but they make additional rules. Number one, in determining whether a website or online service or a portion thereof is directed to children, the commission will consider its subject matter, visual content, use of animated characters or child-oriented activities and incentives, music or other audio content, age of models, presence of child celebrities or celebrities who appeal to children, language or other characteristics of the website or online service, as well as whether advertising, promoting or appearing on the website or online service is directed to children. The commission will also consider competent and reliable empirical evidence regarding audience composition, and evidence regarding the intended audience so let's break down number one because this is where the meat of this conversation lives they basically say we will take into account all of the aspects of the website and you can apply when they discuss website or online service you can imagine in your head game uh, because that's how uh, senator Hawley suggests that he will have implemented it in his bill and it basically says we'll look at the subject matter Uh, Is it candy-based or is it military weapons-based? We'll look at the visual content. Is it a cartoon style versus a photorealistic style? Use of animated characters, I got news for you. As far as the Senate is concerned and the Federal Trade Commission is concerned, every video game outside of full motion video games, which are a limited breed, surely, uh, use animated characters. So that's already going to be one notch in the belt for every single video game that they are evaluating for whether it is targeting children. That's one of the issues with kind of dragging in a standard from a different statute and trying to apply it to your statute. You've got the issue that every single video game could be dragged into this solely on the use of animated characters. Child-oriented activities and incentives, again, I think speaks to... The notion that the Senate and Congress, in my opinion, still believes that video games are mostly the purview of children. And no matter how many studies are shown that suggest that the age of video game players are aging up with the age of the industry, uh, as is the case with myself as a for instance, that tends to fall on deaf ears. And it certainly tends to fall on deaf ears, as we will see when Senator Hawley brings up Candy Crush, which really has no indication is specifically played by children over and above uh, other adult folks. It says music or other audio content, age of models, child celebrities, uh, language or other characteristics if you're trying to be hip, uh, as well as uh, advertising, promoting it on, on services that are directed to children. So you have to ask yourself, you know, if, if you advertise your video game on the Super Bowl, is that something that's directed to children? Sur- surely if you advertise it during the new episode of DuckTales that is targeted to children and they will take these things into account. But it's all a kind of Broad-based, we know it when we'll see it, we will weigh different things, test, and you won't really know uh, how the FTC will feel about your game uh, until you actually have it uh, approved, or more specifically, until you actually receive that letter that says if you keep those loot boxes then you're going to be penalized under this act. Number two, a website or online service shall be deemed directed to children when it has actual knowledge that it is collecting personal information directly from users of another website or online service directed to children. So this was a problem that they had in COPA where you could essentially work with between two websites and you could collect the information from a different website that wasn't directed to children. And that was a whole big thing. I don't know that it necessarily applies to games other than you do see the issuance of the actual knowledge standard here, which you heard in Josh Hawley's uh, press release summary of who this would apply to. He's concerned about actual knowledge of minors being able to use microtransactions. And I think that mostly speaks to the prepaid card problem and can be solved with essentially a requirement that credit cards be used for all kinds of loot boxes and microtransactions. Number three, a website or online service that is directed to children under the criteria set forth in paragraph one, that's the one we talked about where they get to de- decide that something is targeting children by looking at animated characters and the content of the visuals and the music, et cetera, but that does not target children as its primary audience shall not be deemed directed to children if it does not collect personal information prior to collecting age information and then prevents the collection after it finds out the kids are under the age of 13. So we can imagine a scenario in which the Hawley Act has an age gate and that video games essentially say, all right, you have to verify that you are uh, under or that you are over the age of 18. uh, And then once you are verified that you are over the age of 18, we open up our our loot boxes we open up our microtransactions to you and then otherwise the act shouldn't apply to us the problem that hawley has is that basically that's already being done uh, so let's take a look at what i think is the most obvious candidate to be negatively impacted uh, by the, the proposed hawley act uh, in the council sphere because i think overall The games that are most likely to be impacted live in the mobile sphere, and I think that's a little bit harder to track because there are so many games released. There are so many popular games released. I wanted to focus on a console game because I think it makes obvious some of the issues here, and so I bring up the game Overwatch. If you're not familiar with Overwatch, Overwatch is a hero-based shooter in which teams of differently-skilled heroes fight against each other for control of spaces and for various other objectives. But as we can see here on this page, I think that they would meet the criteria that the FTC puts forth for Copa based on visuals. Uh, It's obviously a cartoony-based game. Uh, It certainly appears to be appealing to uh, kids that would be attracted to playing a game like this. And if you aren't familiar with Overwatch they use loot boxes so every level of experience that you get you get access to a box that you can open up that once opened will give you a random cosmetic item of some kind maybe a different skin for your character uh, or another character that you don't play maybe a uh, skin that you can put on the walls or something along those lines and other various things in the boxes now one of the ways they monetize Overwatch is that you can buy those boxes. And if you buy those boxes, you get a number of extra pulls, you can get a number of extra items, but you can't exactly determine what it is that you will get. It's kind of the purest form of loot box mechanics that we see in the current console space. But we can see that it's cartoony, we can see that it is probably, likely, attractive to kids, uh, and it has loot boxes in it. So if the Holly Act were to go forward, I think we can imagine a scenario in which Overwatch either has to be removed from the marketplace or it's not allowed to have loot boxes anymore. But one of the ways that we see in COPA that, that websites can get out of this is they can say they're not specifically directed to children. And I don't think anybody would necessarily argue that Overwatch is specifically directed solely to children. And maybe that would be built into the HOLLY Act. But if they're not specifically directed to children, that they can throw an age gate up. And they can say, hey, tell us you're over 13, and if you're not over 13, we can't collect the personal information for you. I can imagine a scenario in which you could have an age gate for this game in which Blizzard says, hey, tell us that you're over 18. And if you're not over 18, uh, then we don't give you access to the loot boxes or the microtransactions. That's not what the Act currently proposes, but it is a possibility. And more fulsomely, we see that Blizzard already does this kind of thing in the very start of the account. So what we've pulled up here is Blizzard Entertainment's privacy policy, which is incorporated by reference into its terms and conditions for starting a Blizzard account and for the end user license agreements in Blizzard games and Blizzard makes Overwatch. And it says children under 13. Once a child states that his or her age is under 13, they are unable to register an account with us. We do not knowingly collect or store any personally identifiable information from children under 13. Now, with specificity that kind of requirement what you see here in the blizzard privacy policy is designed to comply with copa is designed to make sure that they don't run afoul of the copa requirements but we can see that the companies are perfectly able of uh, of doing this without closing off the entirety of what it is that they do they don't have to stop collecting personal information they just have to make sure they don't collect personal information from people under the age of 13 and i think if you're looking for a compromise position for what we're going to see in the holly bill One of the compromise positions that you could wind up having is, okay, we have an age gate, and once you confirm that you're over 18, then everything can open up to you. Uh, But that's not what the Act says. So let's take a look at his summary of what he would actually propose to do in the Act. So we've already said that it's targeted to those under the age of 18 or for wider audiences who knowingly allow minor players to engage in microtransactions, of which I really don't know any uh, that specifically allow for minor players to engage in microtransactions other than through the the wallet and prepaid card system. But he says, in in respect of these games, this bill would prohibit several forms of manipulative design. So first he says loot boxes. Microtransactions offering randomized or partially randomized rewards to players. So let's take a step back. What this act says is if you are targeted those under the age of 18, loot boxes are prohibited. So a game like Overwatch is not allowed to have loot boxes. And here's where I really start to get... Uh, a little bit upset, generally speaking, about the the jurisprudence of this kind of thing, which is we talked about it a little bit with Ross Scott and Accursed Farms and talking about games as a service as a fraud, and I highly recommend you check out those virtual legality videos from last week if you're at all interested in that topic. But the notion of banning things you don't like simply because you don't like them has always been a problem in American jurisprudence and in various other uh, countries' jurisprudence. And here it seems to rear its ugly head uh, very significantly. So he says loot boxes will be prohibited from a game that is targeted at those under the age of 18 and with very broad ways to describe what is targeted. And I do think Overwatch in general would fall under what the the way the Federal Trade Commission interprets COPA. And so they would say you can't have loot boxes. And the problem I have with that is outside of children. When we talk about adults, when we talk about somebody that really just loves Overwatch, it's the one game that they play and they work hard and at the end of a Friday... They want to spend 20 bucks buying loot boxes because it makes them happy and they get some skins and it is what it is. They're not going to be allowed to do that anymore. It's going to be stripped and it's going to be stripped for purposes of protecting the children. Even though, as we've already talked about in this video and in this podcast, those children are largely protected by the fact that you mostly can't buy microtransactions. You mostly can't buy loot boxes. You mostly can't buy uh, additions to your video games without a credit card. Or, or, and that requires either the credit card number itself or the parent's permission to use the credit card. If those parents have somehow lost control of their credit card or not following what their children are buying on their service, I think that's a problem at the parental level rather than the governmental level. And I certainly don't recommend firing the cannon of government uh, bans at people that can otherwise enjoy loot boxes. The reason we're talking about this at all is how lucrative and how big the market for microtransactions and loot boxes are. And it is big and it is large because some people like buying them. And that's really shouldn't necessarily be prohibited against. There are a lot of things that I don't like and I don't buy and I think are stupid investments that I don't think should be banned. We're going to get to that at the end of this video because I made a list. But I think it's important to separate what you don't like and what the government should prohibit from happening. So loot boxes are one of those items. Some people like them, some people don't. I happen to not like loot boxes. I don't invest in loot boxes. I prefer to, in a game like Overwatch, go up the levels and get what I get. And if it's fun, it's fun, but otherwise not add more money to the system. The second thing he wants to ban is pay to win. And I think this will be very interesting to the listeners and viewers of this particular series because at least as summarized in this one-page press release, This is a broader category than i think most of us think of when we think of pay to win um so he describes pay to win in two ways we're going to get to the first way in a second because i think the second way is the way we mostly think of pay to win is manipulation of the competitive balance between players of multiplayer games by allowing players who purchase microtransactions competitive advantages over other players that's the way i think we mostly think of pay to win you buy competitive advantages He would include in the definition of pay-to-win, and again, these are things that would be prohibited from being in games that are targeted at those under the age of 18 or that have wide audiences where developers knowingly allow minor players to engage in those microtransactions. Pay-to-win is manipulation of a game's progression system. Manipulation is an interesting word there because the developers are making the progression system, right? Typically by building artificial difficulty or other barriers into game progression... Again, let's stop for a second. It's very unclear to me what exactly artificial difficulty is when you're talking about a video game. Certainly a video game generally gets harder as it goes along. Is it not allowed to get harder? Is it required to be on a specific curve of difficulty? Will the Federal Trade Commission be evaluating difficulty curves on a monthly or quarterly basis to determine whether difficulty has spiked Artificially and in a manner that is unfair under this act. I don't know about you. I don't want the Federal Trade Commission to be determining whether a designer's difficulty spike is artificial, organic, or otherwise. And to induce players to spend money on microtransactions to advance through content supposedly available to them at no additional cost. Supposedly available to them is an interesting one. To me, this drags in the concept of energy and payments for energy if you're not familiar with the mobile sphere one of the most common ways to monetize a mobile game is to have it be free to play to give you access to do certain things and then to put timers on things so you can have a building that you need to build that takes six hours or you can pay some gems that are obviously available in the money store to accelerate that process or you can get an energy bank. You can have uh, 15 sets of energy and everything that you do requires two energy. And when you get to the bottom, it will refill one energy per hour. Uh, So you have to wait 15 hours to get it completely refilled or you can buy gems or cash or units or whatever it is and get that refilled faster. Essentially, it's balancing uh, the cost of what it is that you're doing between money and time. And so I think it is useful to point that out and it's useful to say, hey, uh, I'm not sure these games are great. I'm not sure that you should invest in them. I'm not sure it's a good idea and I'm not sure the marketplace should love them, but I'm not the entire marketplace. And certainly a lot of these companies are making a lot of money through these methods and they're getting their games in front of a lot more eyeballs by going to this kind of free to play setup with other monetization events. And that's just the way. That the mobile sphere has developed and I'm not really sure that in the parlance of the industry anyone has really ever referred to uh, buying uh, buying extra time buying accelerators uh, buying extra energy or even buying extra lives in a game like Candy Crush as pay-to-win and so I think that's a broad definition of this and I'm not sure that these actual things uh, bother most folks as much as changing competitive balance actually bothers uh, bothers people. Obviously, it doesn't bother people enough to keep them away from games like Clash of Clans and things like that. And so I am in general in favor of the the market being served by whomever wants to serve it and not banning those practices solely because uh, the, the game isn't liked uh, by the senator here. Uh, but those are the things that he wants to ban. So we've basically got loot boxes. We've got difficulty spikes. He's going to talk about Candy Crush, so I think he's talking about Uh, Candy Crush Lives, Energy Banks, uh, Accelerators for Time, and things like that, and Manipulation of Competitive Balance, that those should all be prohibited from appearing in a game that the Federal Trade Commission determines through its vague standards have been targeted at minors or who they can prove uh, knowingly allowed minor players to engage in microtransactions. It's unclear exactly how that bucket works because I'm not sure any developer or company would be silly enough to somehow have something on there that states that they are knowingly allowing miners to do things because in general those contracts are all kind of voidable so you generally don't say hey miners come and, and enter into these uh, microtransactions you, you have them click boxes and use credit cards and things like that the end of this one page description says enforcement would be rules would be enforced by the federal trade commission as we suggested when we looked at copa which would treat the distribution of such games by publishers and online uh, distributors as an unfair trade practice. So presumably this act would uh, amend the Federal Trade Act uh, and uh, would go forward and change things up there to specifically uh, delineate this as an unfair trade practice. And then it would allow state attorney generals to file suit to defend the residents of their states. Uh, Since video games are internet-based, it would basically be every attorney general in every state in the country could Bring this suit if they were so inclined and really make life difficult uh, for game developers and so that's what he has said that he will propose now one of the things that i want to highlight here is that i do view this as grandstanding you saw the three bills that he had uh, already sponsored none of which advanced off the floor of the senate as of yet uh, all of which were advanced uh, to the floor um, in the last 30 days or so And this got a number of press releases, this got a number of uh, pieces of press coverage that I think suggests to me that this is more about making a name for himself uh, than otherwise. I think it has a very low likelihood of getting passed or otherwise, but it's hard to uh, truly evaluate when he puts this press release out and doesn't actually introduce the bill. This is kind of standard for politics. I don't want to get into the actual political stances here uh, so much, but as far as the sausage getting made, you see these kinds of things happen from time to time where someone makes a big bit of noise that they're going to do X, Y, and Z, and maybe it takes a little time for it actually to get introduced and then slowly dies in committee or elsewise. But... It's still useful to talk about because we are looking at a world in which the FTC is going to be evaluating loot boxes in the fall. We are looking at a world in which certain countries have tried to ban the practice of using loot boxes as gambling under their gambling laws. And so this is a hot topic. This is something that the Senates of the world are discussing. And so I don't think we can dismiss it out of hand. Let's take a look at some of the uh, press items that accompanied this announcement from Senator Hawley so we see here that this was uh, went out on wednesday may 8th a couple days ago he says senator josh hawley a fierce critic of social media practices that prey on the addiction of users so again this is a press release from the senator's office and that link actually goes to a speech that he gave announced today that he will introduce landmark legislation banning the exploitation of children through pay to win and loot box monetization practices by the video game industry so as is expected when you're talking about a political document, we start with some you know fun words. We've got exploitation of children. Uh, he goes on to say, Senator Hawley said, Social media and video games prey on user addiction, siphoning our kids' attention from the real world and extracting profits from fostering compulsive habits. So let's unpack that for just a second. Social media and video games prey on user addiction. So before we get into microtransactions before we get into loot boxes or anything else the full statement that he starts out with is that social media and video games are addictive obviously there are a number of studies out there that suggest that you can live a perfectly fine life while loving video games I think I'm a pretty good example of that myself Uh, but he starts out from this premise that social media and video games are bad things that the government should be in the business of essentially making them less attractive He goes on to expound on that view by saying they siphon our kids' attention from the real world. (sighs) So we start to see this as the grandstanding that it is, that this is the modern version of the TV shows are making the kids dumber, which is just the modern version of movies are making the kids dumber. And heck, there were probably parents at some point in the history of the world that said books were making kids dumber because it wasn't an oral tradition or something along those lines. We see here, though, that video games and social media siphon our kids' attention from the real world. And then he ties that to extracting profits from fostering compulsive habits. No matter this business model's advantages to the tech industry, one thing is clear. There is no excuse for exploiting children through such practices. And I would agree, hey, there's no excuse for exploiting children in any respect, but I don't think that there's actually been any showing that video games are particularly exploitative or particularly bad at uh, making kids unaware of what's happening in the real world. So... The actual premise that he's bringing to this doesn't seem to come from a place of science, at least not as presented in this press release. He doesn't look at scientific studies. He looks at things that he doesn't like. He says social media and video games prey on user addiction without any kind of sourcing or any kind of discussion of why he believes that to be so. He says when a game is designed for kids, game developers shouldn't be allowed to monetize addiction. And when kids play games designed for adults, they should be walled off from compulsive microtransactions. Game developers who knowingly exploit children should face legal consequences. Now, again, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt here. It's a possibility that the bill that he is intending to propose has a better description of what it means to be targeted for children than COPA. But given the fact that his one-page description of what this is relies on COPA to talk about what is going to be deemed targeted, uh, targeting children, I fail to see how exactly he's making the distinction between game designed for kids and game designed for adults. I think we can start to try to make knowledgeable inferences from our understanding of the industry that Apex Legends is maybe adults, where Overwatch is maybe kids, but it's hard to make that distinction. Is Fortnite kids? I think probably all of us would say yes. But Fortnite also doesn't use loot boxes. Does it use anything that would fall under the pay-to-win mechanic? It does allow you to accelerate your battle pass coverage. Would that fall under pay-to-win? even though it's not impacting competitive design in any way. These are the kinds of questions that would get sussed out in committee and the kinds of questions that would be a significant problem for the industry were the act to move forward and into law and certainly would present an interesting problem for the Federal Trade Commission and one that virtual legality would certainly follow if this act were actually to pass. And again, I don't think it's terribly likely. Uh, I've highlighted here a couple of areas where we talked about uh, earlier in the video where he describes artificial difficulty curves and compulsive purchases and competitive advantage and things of that nature. But the last thing I wanted to talk about here is his actual example. So he puts forth this act. He says, hey, I'm really concerned about kids. I'm really concerned about things that targets kids. And he pulls a mobile game out. And that mobile game is Candy Crush. He says, Candy Crush, a free puzzle game featuring a Candyland style cartoon aesthetic. So that's him tying it to targeted two children that offers players additional lives on a set timer, allows players to purchase a $149 luscious bundle, including a 1,000 units of its gold bar in-game currency, a variety pack of temporary boosters to reduce game difficulty, and 24 hours of unlimited lives. The game touts this offering with a medal labeled best value. Candy Crush developer King earns parent company, Activision Blizzard, 2 billion annually, boasting 268 million monthly active users. Now. Those are a lot of interesting stats at the end he seems to be implying that making two billion dollars annually is a bad thing and he seems to be implying that 268 million monthly active users are kids question mark are being exploited uh, based on this so i've looked into candy Crush's demographics a little bit and one thing that i did see jumped out which was sourced from the guardian uh, and just as kind of an off-handed type of look at something it says, here are a few interesting statistics about Candy Crush and its developer, King Digital. This is an article from a website called Indium Software uh, that's just kind of talking in general about uh, iPhone apps and the mobile gaming landscape. Uh, and one of the things they point out, this is from the end of 2017, so it could have changed by now, but probably not enough to change the, uh, the thrust of this conversation. Core players of the game are mostly women, aged 25 plus. They spend around $25 a month, Which is not a lot, but the revenue is made by the sheer amount of players. Which I think matches with what we would generally expect from Candy Crush. You're generally talking about a mostly female audience. Uh, I think uh, there are a lot of men that play it as well. And you're generally talking about people that are playing it on their phones, probably their work phones in various states, and spend a relatively small amount of money. Something like going out for a dinner uh, type amount of money on buying things that make them happy. Now, you can say, hey, maybe some of those are compulsive spenders. Maybe some of those have issues uh, with being able to control their spending habits. And I think that's fine. I think that's worth discussing. But I also think it's not the province of uh, jurisprudence of the, of the federal government, certainly, and maybe to some extent not the state and local governments, to prevent perfectly harmless activity for most uh, because it's not harmless uh, for some. And so when he gives, as an example, Candy Crush, that Candy Crush should not be allowed to sell loot boxes because of its Candyland aesthetic, it calls into question a number of things, not the least of which is, as an almost 40-year-old man, uh, am I not allowed to like the aesthetic of Breath of the Wild more than I like the aesthetic of Days Gone? Because I do. I do like the aesthetic of Super Mario Odyssey more than I like the aesthetic of Apex Legends. Uh, That might be more attractive to kids. I suspect that it is. Uh, But does that mean that I, as an adult, shouldn't be allowed to purchase loot boxes and microtransactions in a cartoon-based game solely because I happen to like something that kids also like? And you get into these conversations that are problematic. And I can understand the impulse. I don't like loot boxes. I don't. I don't like pay to win, literal pay to win, which is changing competitive balance. I don't play games that have those aspects because I feel like I can't participate in them if I don't spend $100. So I don't play them. Other people don't. They make a different decision than me. And personally, while I think that's a stupid decision and I could have an entire video about things that people buy or invest in that I think are stupid decisions and why I think they're stupid, I think they should be allowed to have that stupid decision. They should be allowed to make those stupid choices. And frankly, if, as Senator Hawley says, Uh, King and Candy Crush are making $2 billion a year, I think there are a lot of people suggesting that they're perfectly happy with the value proposition, that they're happy exchanging their $20 for uh, whatever it is that they're getting, five extra lives. Uh, And if you want to tag it to children, if you want to tag it to protecting children, which is kind of the classic move of getting past Uh, government regulation that wouldn't otherwise be passed that you you say hey we got to protect the kids if you want to tag it to children you can't just outright ban what is otherwise being enjoyed by adults you can put restrictions on it you can say hey uh, you have to prove that you're over 18 we can require only credit cards Uh, as he suggested it can be walled off but that's not what his actual act does in its own description now maybe the terms of the act will actually change maybe the language that he proposes will change maybe he will never propose a bill but right now for what we have to react to it doesn't even affect what he's trying to accomplish so when he says games that uh, are targeted at adults should have a walled-off section that's fine except that you've already said that candy crush which is mostly played by 25 plus uh, women is going to be deemed targeted at children because it's got a Candyland style cartoon aesthetic, regardless of the fact that studies show that the women gamers often like that aesthetic more than a photorealistic aesthetic. So you're you're starting to damage potential markets, you're starting to damage potential market participants in a manner that is unfair, uh, in your own words, solely that you can so solely the so that you can grandstand on this issue. And that's where I start to have a problem with what's being done here. And that's why I made the following list. I think it's important to note that I don't like loot boxes. I don't like microtransactions of this type. I really don't like most microtransactions. I occasionally spend money on microtransactions when I otherwise feel like I've gotten too much value from a free-to-play game because I want the developers to succeed. I want them to thrive if they've made something that I like and they aren't otherwise monetizing me properly. But outside of that, I don't spend on a lot of things, but I don't think those things should be banned. So let's take a look at that list. Other things Hogue doesn't invest in or buy, high-end liqueurs, cigars, cigarettes, scratch cards, political campaigns, mortgage insurance, Amazon warranties, Best Buy warranties, manufacturers extended warranties, really any warranty. Sports cars, the last three episodes of Game of Thrones, diamonds, jewelry, lottery tickets, designer clothes, VIP movie ticket programs, poker, blackjack, European board games without proper theming, slot machines, racetracks, books, penny stocks, junk bonds, municipal bonds, REITs, hedge funds, sushi, lobster, shrimp, really anything from the sea, subprime mortgages, term life insurance, the plot to Last Jedi, and folding phones. Look, there are a lot of things that I think are stupid investments. There are a lot of things that I would recommend for people if they were sitting in my office or if they were a client of Hogue Law to not put their money in, to not back, because they are stupid investments. They are unlikely to make them happy or they are unlikely to make them more money or whatever it might be. That doesn't mean I think they, sh- they should be banned. People should be allowed to make the decisions that they want to make. And I think that an industry that has a business model like this that a lot of people don't like should have people, have consumer activism suggest that those activities aren't acceptable. I think we already saw that. In 2017, as is suggested in the Kotaku article, the uh, electronic arts program to put loot boxes into every game that they ever had, Battlefront and Need for Speed and all these other places where they really didn't fit, was met with an enormous amount of scorn, an enormous amount of consumer activism that wound up actually getting the loot box Paradigm kicked out of Electronic Arts, that it was clearly removed from Anthem, that it was removed from all of the other game designs that Electronic Arts had, going so far as to have them actually advertise their new Star Wars game as saying it's single player, it has no microtransactions, it has no loot boxes, that they know enough from the reaction in 2017 to stay away from the thing. That is the market at work. That is voting with your pocketbook. And I do think that it works. Now, it doesn't always work for what you, Joe, or you, Bob, or you, Mary, want to have happen, because there are a number of market participants. And if there are a million of folks that are okay with buying energy in uh, the Star Wars mobile game or buying lives on Candy Crush, that's their decision to make. And I don't think tying it just to kids is a good thing, and I certainly don't think that the people that follow the industry that advocate for the industry should be as uh, ready to say government come in prohibit these activities in this industry that we follow which is what I saw on the internet which is what I interacted with with folks on Twitter were folks at IGN and GameSpot and elsewhere saying hey this is a good thing let's see these microtransactions burn because they're ruining gaming they might be ruining gaming for you they they aren't ruining gaming for somebody else who is enjoying loot boxes, who is enjoying these things that you don't enjoy and it's not your position to say that they shouldn't be allowed to enjoy those things, which is a very similar position to the one you heard me uh, taking in respect of games as a service, in respect of what Ross Scott in Accursed Form said there, which is, I don't like that we can't preserve games uh, as well as we could in the past. I don't like that games as a service has this server component that prevents us from enjoying games that we're enjoying today, ten years in the future. but if you can't convince enough people that the licenses are bad enough that this is a bad enough practice i'm on board with the rest of the people that say it's good enough for me and i'm willing to exchange my sixty dollars for this temporary license similarly i'm okay with people saying that twenty dollars i would rather have those loot boxes than that twenty dollars and that's my decision to make and i don't want the government stepping in in front of that lastly we see in the kotaku article they updated it shortly after jason schreier posted it They said the Entertainment Software Association, the video game industry lobbyist group, sent over a statement shortly after this bill was introduced. Numerous countries, including Ireland, Germany, Sweden, Denmark, Australia, New Zealand, and the United Kingdom, determined that loot boxes do not constitute gambling. We look forward to sharing with the senator the tools and information the industry already provides that keeps the control of in-game spending in parents' hands. Parents already have the ability to limit or prohibit in-game purchases with easy-to-use parental controls. Now i think that's a good statement and i think you can see me reflect on the esa statements and the igda statements earlier in virtual legality just look up loot boxes on my channel but i do think it answers a different question there isn't anything that we see from Josh Hawley that actually says that loot boxes are gambling he just outright prohibits them as exploitative he doesn't actually tie it to the notions of gambling however i do think that the actual answer here which is that parents can already control spending that for the most part minors can't purchase microtransactions as it is because the states and the United States generally require what we call the age of majority for contracts to take effect. So you can't enter into something like a debt contract, as is happening with every credit card transaction, unless you are already 18, unless you steal your parents' credit card or otherwise. I think that this is perhaps the lowest uh, uh, the lowest priority for really controlling the exploitation of children, that these mechanisms, the very structure of how internet-based transactions occur prohibits most exploitation on the, on the child's level. And to the extent that it doesn't, that's really a, a parental issue. So that's really what I wanted to say about this. Uh, as I said, we might do a follow-up uh, if the act ever gets actually introduced, and we can reflect on language that changes something in this analysis. But for now, I just really wanted to speak about the fact that this won't be the last time we see the government trying to move into these kinds of regulatory environments. It happened in the 90s and the video game industry is mature enough now that there is value in grandstanding on these topics for senators, for congressmen and congresswomen. And so we will expect to see these kinds of things in the future because it does grab the headlines that we saw earlier this week. So this isn't the last gasp of this. And if you're interested in some of the history of the Night Trap hearings and the Mortal Kombat hearings, I also have an episode on virtual legality. I believe it's called Gaming, Government, and You, where I talk a little bit about the history of banning things or or threatening to ban things, and how the ESRB came to be. That was, those are the ratings that you see on the uh, sides of video game packages in the United States. And so I, I highly recommend that video if you're at all interested in these topics. Otherwise, I think this is just something right now for us to follow to keep our eyes on. It is going to be a topic moving forward, and I don't think this is the end of the story. Although I also don't think that this act in particular has very high likelihood of getting any traction in the Senate uh, or in the House of Representatives if it got past the Senate. So it is more a uh, intellectual exercise than something to really be concerned about at this point in time. Outside of that, if you like this video, please do like, please subscribe to this channel. I am doing these kinds of topics all the time. Earlier this week, I talked about Xbox and their new community standards and how they are so vague as to potentially cost someone their entire account, uh, who has purchased video games and has those licenses through the Xbox Live account, including a restriction on the ability to play a game before its release date, even if it was validly sold to you. So if you're interested in those topics, check that video out. Otherwise, I'm doing these kinds of videos all the time. And if you watch this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. Uh, I very much appreciate it. And if you listen to it on a podcast or podcast service, thank you so much for listening. Please leave a review on that podcast service if you can. Uh, And I will catch you on the very next virtual legality.